back to Cinema Bums, where we always serve piping hot takes fresh out of the oven. This evening, we are going to be talking about the Oscars. We need to talk about Oscar. (laughs) What can we say? Another year, another chance for the Academy to disappoint enrage and straight up baffle us with their choices but you've heard us rag on them for probably over a year now if you're a consistent listener to the pod so why care what emmett and wade have to say because tonight we are joined by two very special guests we only have them on twice a year right around oscar season it is the famed kurt Ascar and oscar meyer Thank you. Thank you, Emmett. I am Kurt Iskar, renowned international Hollywood producer, producer of such films as Godzilla and Kong and Red Notice, which I've been combing through the awards all day. Seemingly, I can't find where it's listed, but I know it must be in there somewhere. Um, How's it going, Oscar? Uh, it's going great. It's me, famed hot dog enthusiast and ballpark owner, Oscar Myers. <laughs> you know, I don't really know why the cinema bums have me on because I really know absolutely nothing about movies. <laughs> In fact, I see approximately three new movies a year. But luckily, all three of the new movies that I watched this year did get nominated and we will be talking about them. So that's exciting. Mm. What's happened in the world of hot dogs over the last year? It's been bleak. As people have not been going to as many in-person sporting events, the sales mm. of Frankfurter weenies have been uh, decreasing <laughs> at an exponential rate. Um, also, I'm not sure if you've heard about this, but there is, look, hot dogs are the original fake meat. But if you're going to tell me that you can make fake meat without animal product, stunning. I am flabbergasted. <laughs> I'm alarmed. But I might just have to start funneling some money into it because it seems that that's the way that this world is going. Well, it must be good news for you that I heard some Frankfurter weenies were on the voting board for the Academy Awards this year. In fact, I believe it was entirely populated by Frankfurter weenies. <laughs> from from miles outside of Hollywood, you could hear them yelling, Judy Dench, Judy Dench. I mean, it's like... I don't even know what it's like. I don't have a good metaphor. It's just annoying. (laughs) Shall we get into it? I guess so. Emmett, are you going to be here with us for this recording? No, Emmett has already already scampered off somewhere. Oh, 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 good, good. Oscar watch! Oscar watch! (laughs) Okay, well, we're back to talk about the 94th Academy Awards a.k.a. the 2022 Oscars, confusingly honoring the movies of 2021. Nominations just dropped this morning. Well, I I should say today we're going to go over the major categories, say who we would give each award to and our predictions for who the Academy would. But before we start, do you have any like big picture reactions to these nominations? My big picture reaction to a lot of these is just a disappointment that I hadn't seen more of them. I'm disappointed mm-hmm. in myself. I'm always disappointed in the Academy, so that's nothing new. How how about yes. you? For this podcast, very excited to see Dune mm. 
get as many nominations as it did 10 nominations the second highest of any movie this year after the power of the dog 12 i didn't think that was a sure thing you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. doing a big genre picture kind of rare to break into the academy upper echelons absolutely an excellent film directed by (laughs) Yes. I mean, this is the insane thing. Ten nominations, almost all of them in, you know, like the technical categories, Mm -hmm. like cinematography, visual effects, sound, costume design, production design, things like that. Whose vision do you think those categories were executing? Uh, Timothée Chalmers. (laughs) I mean, if the Academy had seen a Denis Villeneuve movie before, and I know they have because they've nominated them, you would know that those things are all in service of the grander, distinct vision of Denis Villeneuve, who is snubbed for Best Director. It is pretty shocking. And I think, like, honestly, it would have made more sense if it was the other way around. If Dune had not gotten the Best Picture nod, because it is Mm -hmm. really half of a good picture... Yeah, No shade to it. I think it's great, but it is half of movie. But if they had mm-hmm. given the best director nom to Denny and no best picture nom, I think that would make more sense. Yeah, absolutely. That was definitely disappointing. Some other notable snubs, House of Gucci, the French Dispatch, Passing, which is the one I'm maybe the most shocked mm. to see, was totally snubbed. The Green Knight, I mean, that is that's criminal. Maybe not shocking because it is like a genre movie, but not getting adapted screenplay, mm-hmm. not getting Dev Patel for lead actor. I mean, that's just not insane. getting a best director nod. Yeah, yeah. Because it's such a strong and coherent vision. It's absolutely or even visual or something. I mean, it's got weird, totally. cool stuff going on in it. I mean, I feel like Dev Patel in those costumes is like already a more iconic, distinctive image than most anything else yeah that came out of cinema last year he's so good i need to watch that movie again like immediately i feel like i kind of need to watch dune again after seeing all of these Mm -hmm. maybe it's time to throw it on again uh and i do want to mention too that the oscars have announced that they're going to have a host for the first time since 2018 there will be a host of the oscars again but they have not said who I think they're really just going to wait until the very last minute. And (laughs) I think the Oscars are, are, they are terrified right now. They're like, if we say that someone's going to be a host within 15 minutes, that person is going to do something cancelable on the internet. (laughs) And then we're going to be really screwed. And then we're either going to have to change hosts or like, you know, do that host. And everybody's pissed at us about it. Um, So I think what they're going to do is wait until the last minute, look around, See which like C-list celebrities they've got who are not canceled at the moment and like drag one of them on stage in exchange for bottles of champagne to pop on people afterwards. C-list celebrities who are not yet canceled. Cinema bums for Oscar hosts? Dare I say? Don't test fate. (laughs) They could be the Oscars could be the first people to ever write in. (laughs) <laughs> to cinemabumspod at gmail.com oh my god incredible uh maybe they could ask lady gaga people like her and i don't think she's doing anything that night yeah <laughs> rough hey uh beyonce nominated for the first time ever that's pretty cool 
That is cool. That's kind of shocking to me. That it's the first time? Yeah, that she wasn't nominated for Best Supporting for a role in Pink Panther. Yeah, that is... No comment on Pink Panther. I don't want to get canceled by uh, the the silent member of Cinema Bums. Um, Kristen Stewart and Ariana DeBose becoming the second and third openly queer actors ever nominated for an Oscar following Sir Ian McKellen in 1998. Really? Isn't that kind of shocking? That is shocking to me. I see here you've got uh, Denzel Washington, now the most nominated black actor of all time. That's pretty cool mm-hmm. for tragedy, the tragedy of Macbeth. One of the three films which I saw this year. Mm. Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons and Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz, two different real life couples, both nominated in the same year, which is really wild. And all four for different movies. And they're not all competing with each other, right? Yeah, they're all not competing. Kirsten and Jesse are both in oh, they're both Power in. of the Dog. Gotcha. But the other two are indifferent. That's wild. A la Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig for a screenplay in 2019. Yeah. I got to kind of root for them to get it just because. Just because that would be fun. Because that's like a a really cool bit of like a double date trivia, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And all excellent actors. Haven't seen any of those movies, but there are all actors that I think are good. So give them their Oscar. I was pretty shocked that Kirsten Dunst hadn't been nominated She's never been nominated? That's why. No. Yeah, first time. Man. For, and we should... Well, okay. Well, we'll talk about these more. Let's, okay, should we okay. get into the categories? have one more thing to say about Spider-Man and Shang-Chi both being nominated for visual effects. Yes. So some popular movies and No Time to Die, which is a popular movie that was actually good. Got nominated three times in the technical categories. I love Shang-Chi and I'm very excited that that's nominated, but just wanted to shout those out. Spider-Man, I hear, is like the most popular movie of the year, numbers-wise. Like, is the best was the best-selling movie this year, and like one of the mm-hmm. best-selling movies of all time. No love for it in any category other than visual effects. So that's, I mean, interesting. Yeah, there was sort of like a campaign to get it to recognize the fact that it brought people back to the movies, which yeah. no other movie really did. Mm-hmm. did not really see many results other than best visual effects. I personally would have given it a nod for screenplay, I think, just for those guys managing to like navigate everything in that movie as well as they did. Yeah, they pull off something which shouldn't be able to be pulled off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's get into the categories. So first off, we have animated feature film. The five nominees were Encanto, Flea, Luca, the Mitchells versus the Machines, and Raya and the Last Dragon. Okay, I'm over the moon to see the Mitchells versus the Machines here. Uh-huh. I'm really glad it made it. I was very worried that it wouldn't, uh, because it's hard for movies that aren't made by Disney or Pixar to get nominated. Even harder for them to win, but I'm really excited to see that. Uh, Flea, we should mention, is an animated documentary, and it, it was also nominated for Best Documentary and Best International Okay. So I feel like it's going to win something. For this, I would give it to the Mitchells versus the Machines. I think that the Academy will give it to Encanto. Encanto is the only one of these that I have seen. And may I say, it is beautiful to behold. It is like a gorgeous, lush film. But it is so boring. It is like... (laughs) 
so like you call the shot from the very first moment. And I know it's a kid's movie, but kids are not stupid either. Like <laughs> kids will call the shot as well. And I don't know if it was the TV that I was watching it on, but it seemed to me that the lyrics, which I assume are good, clever lyrics, were so buried in the mix of the music that I couldn't hear them or understand. Oh, wow. So I feel like I also lost a lot of whatever interesting lyrical nuance um, was being brought to it. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, unfortunately, that I think it will be the best picture or like the best um, animated, like the uh, the Oscars choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it is awesome on the representation side for a movie like that. But then like if you're going to do a movie that has good representation, then make it a good movie. Like it's it's not that hard. You seem to be capable of making good movies sometimes like use it then as well. Mm. That would be what I would say. And also another one of those things where like everybody in this film, except for the main character, has like a some sort of Latin American accent. But the main character sounds like some Midwestern American mm. like girl. And it's like all these people are supposed to be growing up in Colombia. Let's like. I think the whole thing should have been in Spanish in, with subtitles if you really wanted to like do the thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that Disney is going to get patted on the back all the way home for this. Well, this is a weird one because I feel like when it came out, what I heard from everyone, mm-hmm. basically what you were saying, like I heard everyone just say like, it's nothing special. It's fine, but it's not great. Mm-hmm. And then cut to two months later and it's like the biggest thing in the world And like the songs have hit number one, like the songs have done way better than the Frozen songs did. And it's like the number one movie four weeks in a row. So a very weird immediate reappraisal for Encanto, but I haven't seen it. So Uh, next we have best documentary feature length Ascension, Attica, Flea, Summer of Soul and Writing with Fire. Have you seen any of these? I have seen Summer of Soul, which I love. I talked about on our mm-hmm. best of 2021 episode. It's it's a great concert film. That's on Hulu. I'm torn. I would give it to Summer of Soul, and I think that's the most popular of these. But I think that Flea has to win at least one of its three. Mm. So I think my prediction is going to be that this is where Flea takes it in documentary. Interesting. Then I'll give it to Summer of Soul. <laughs> Because that seemed cool from your description of it. (laughs) Next up, we have international feature film. Uh, The five nominees in this category are Drive My Car from Japan, Flea from Denmark, The Hand of God from Italy, Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom from Bhutan, and The Worst Person in the World from Norway. Okay, very interested in this Yak in the Classroom movie. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. I would just give an Oscar to it for best title. There should be a best title Oscar. That absolutely should be. Yeah. Okay, two of these movies that I really love, and it was cool to see them get nominated elsewhere too. Drive My Car and The Worst Person in the World. Uh-huh. Um, the Worst Person in the World just came out to anyone who did not see like screeners or... Mm-hmm festivals but it's sort of a modern rom-com it's set in norway it's very funny it's very beautiful it's very honest and brutal at times it is kind of like the millennial rom-com i would say and you know that i tend to be a little dismissive of movies that have things to say about (laughs) technology yeah or modern life that have some big take yeah i mean 
I want to say this. Any movie, any movie uh-huh. that is making a point that people are spending too much time on screens, <laughs> any movie watched on a screen that is arguing that <laughs> screens are ruining people's lives has shot itself in the foot before the race even began. But this movie, I think, handles it well, and I really loved. It's excellent. Drive My Car is also excellent. This is the only movie I saw after we recorded our Best of episode that made it onto my actual Best of 2021 list. Oh, uh-huh. And it made it at number three, right behind Green Knight and West Side Story. So wow. I really loved this movie. It's by Ryusuke Hamaguchi, who made two movies last year. This movie is three hours long which listeners to this podcast will know that is the length I would prefer three movies to be (laughs) rather than one single movie. But it is kind of like an epic. Like it covers so much. It's a movie where like the opening credits roll 50 minutes in. And that's when like the basic premise of the movie starts. Oh my God. Okay. So I'm hooked because I thought it stuns me that this is a movie from Japan. I definitely thought that this was like about another movie about the Beatles in the same year that Peter Jackson had done <laughs> his like giant documentary. Uh-huh. And I was like, don't care. Pass. So it's delightful to hear that. It, does it have anything to do with the Beatles? No, it's adapted from Haruki Murakami short story. Oh, wow. And I think he names many of his works after Beatles songs. Interesting. I know that his most famous is Norwegian Wood, which is obviously a Beatles song. Yeah. The story is very short and not very good. What this movie is about (laughs) is a Japanese theater director Uh who is sort of mourning the end of a very, very complicated relationship in his personal life. Hmm. And he's doing that through directing a production of Uncle Vanya, Oh my God. Okay. At this theater festival. <laughs> wow. And it's sort of about like all the ways that Uncle Vanya is reflecting his situation. Oh, whoa. So it's about that. And it's also about his relationship with the woman who is driving, who is chauffeuring him to and from the festival whoa. while he's there. Whoa. Okay. I'm really into this. Is it in Japanese? It is in Japanese. It's subtitles. Dope. Okay. I should watch this with my dad because he lived in Japan. He loves anything to do with Japanese culture or Japanese language and people. So that would be a fun one to watch with the old man. Um, The old man, Rob Myers. (laughs) It's very culturally specific too. Like it's kind of about, you know, like Japanese culture has different ideas about processing emotion in public Mm. than we do. Mm Mm-hmm. I've read a lot of interviews with a director where he talks about sort of like riding inside a car is like a space in between being in public and in private. Ooh, yeah. And like (laughs) how you react differently and also like a space where you can have an intimate conversation with someone and not have to look at them Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. So this movie absolutely rocks. So does the worst person in the world. But I would I would give this to drive my car and I would recommend that. A great teacher and mentor of mine once told my entire acting class that a taxi cab in New York City was the great liminal zone of sexual slash romantic relationships. It's like where Mm. it either happens or it doesn't. And I thought that was fascinating. And I feel like that's kind of like in what he's talking about there with like semi-public, semi-private 
Interesting. Interesting. I really want to see that movie now. And also worst person in the world after reading your review. I'm just going to go out on a limb, though, and say that the Yak in the Classroom movie might win um, (laughs) because I love the title. So that's what I'm going to put down. haven't seen any of them. Yeah, that's excellent. Okay. Next is Music Best Original Score. Mm -hmm. We have Don't Look Up by Nicholas Brattel. Dune by Hans Zimmer. Encanto by Jermaine Franco. Parallel Mothers by Alberto Iglesias. And The Power of the Dog by Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead. Whoa. I don't know if Hans Zimmer can be nominated for original score. I mean... Has um, Hans Zimmer yes. has Hans Zimmer written an original score since like 2003, or actually no, since 2008 when he did The Dark Knight? I think that uh-huh. is the last time there was something original done. He discovered drones in 2008, and that was basically it. Right. I think the music in Dune is good, but I don't think it's particularly original. And the whole Hans Zimmer thing too is that like. A lot of times it's not even him, as we know. Yeah, it's it's the studio of Hans Zimmer. Yeah, it's, I mean, although they were doing the campaign, it sounded like that he did really care about Dune. Mm-hmm. And I would like to think that it was a lot of his own work in Dune. I would say the wrong Johnny Greenwood score is nominated because his Power of the Dog score is fine, But his score for Spencer was my favorite one I heard last year. It's like a mix of chaotic terror and Christmas jazz. Oh. (laughs) And it like cuts in between those two constantly. So that was what I would have nominated and given it to. Of these, I don't know. Maybe, I guess I'm going to say Dune. I feel like they like Hans and he's running a campaign about like the original things that he put into this weird score. I guess I'm going to say Dune for this. If I had to say anyone, I would say Harry Manfredini for Friday the 13th. That was my favorite score that I heard this year. Uh Do you want Uh, me to write that down? Yes, please, please do. (laughs) Okay. In the shocking upset. Um, Okay, next up. Actor in a supporting role. All right, so we're getting into it. We're getting into the good stuff. We hate music. We hate music. Uh, Kieran Hines for Belfast. Troy Kutzer for Coda, who is, I believe, the first deaf actor to ever be nominated for a supporting role. Yes. Much apologies if I got it wrong last year when that dude who was in, um, when the old dude who was in The Sound of Metal I may have Uh thought that he actually was uh, deaf, but he was not. He was still an incredible actor. This guy's the real deal. Troy Kutzer. Uh, Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog. J.K. M.F. Simmons for Being the Ricardos. Honestly, (laughs) I would have given him the Oscar for his role in Spider-Man as Alex Jones. (laughs) That was pretty awesome. Uh, J.K. Simmons playing Alex Jones in a Spider-Man movie. What more uh-huh. could you want? It is. Uh-huh. It was honestly maybe my favorite part of that whole movie be- beside the one Andrew Garfield scene that we all know about. Uh, and then Cody Smith McPhee, my blue king for The Power <laughs> of the Dog. Uh-huh. Get this. He's the kid in The Road, a terrible adaptation of a oh. great book. And he is... The kid in, most importantly to me, the movie Let Me In, which is an incredible, 
an incredible yes. vampire film. I think he has a really like unique presence. I think uh-huh. that movie, Let Me In, is one that he uses in the, the right way. Mm-hmm. And this movie is one of the first since then to do that. Oh, really? He has the best performance of the movie for me in Power of the Dog. And I would say that other than him, these are all surprises to me. Interesting. Like these are all kind of shocking picks, not having Mike Feist or David Alvarez for West Side Story. Bradley Cooper for Licorice Pizza is one a lot of people talked about. You said he was like excellent in five minutes of that movie. Like, yeah, just a, a star in that five minutes of that movie. And Jeffrey Wright in French Dispatch or even Jeffrey Wright in No Time to Die. I mean, it was a great year for him. Oscar Isaac in Dune. Damn. Where was he? Where, Where was, was he? he? Where was he? All I have ever needed from you <laughs> was for you to be my son. Or something like that. I mean, it's the acceptance that you want from the stern father figure that you didn't even know you needed. Even Coleman Domingo and Candyman to go out on a limb? I would have gone there. Interesting. Oh, why isn't isn't Alex Hassel as Ross from Tragedy of Macbeth in this? Oh, yeah, for real. Because he is so good. He is the most interesting thing in that movie. By nothing against the, the lady playing the witch. Or the witches. Uh-huh. She's super creepy and awesome, but Ross like runs away with that show, which is not something anyone ever says about Macbeth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So I would want this to go to Cody Smith McPhee. I feel like it's probably either him or Jesse Plemons, and maybe they split the vote from the same movie. Mm. Oh, I see. And then it goes to somebody else. Yeah. I think his performance is far and away the best on this list, so I am going to give it to him optimistically. I'm going to say Jesse Plemons, because that seems also like something that would happen. Yeah. Cool. Next, we got actress in the supporting role. Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter. Ariana DeBose in West Side Story. Judy Dench in Belfast. Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog. And Anjanu Ellis in King Richard. And last night I asked Laura if she wanted to watch King Richard. And she said, no, I don't want to watch any more Shakespeare. <laughs> and I said, no, that's it's not that one. I don't know if they did a great job on explaining that that wasn't Shakespeare to people. <laughs> because that was also my first thought. I was like, huh, there was another Shakespeare nominated this year. And then I remembered that's not what it's about. Yeah. Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter. She is the woman in I'm Thinking of Ending Things Mm. on Netflix. This is also a Netflix movie, The Lost Daughter. It's kind of like a fun, pulpy mystery. Olivia Coleman is the lead. And it's kind of it was very fun to me just to watch a movie where like a 40 year old, just like an average woman without any sort of special action skills or bizarre superpowers is the lead Uh, in a mystery thriller yeah jesse buckley is playing her in flashbacks oh interesting flashing back to her and i thought that was an excellent performance and one that i was one that i would have nominated and was surprised to see on this list so interesting i would give it to her i think it is going to go to ariana debose who is very good which character does she play in west side she plays anita who Rita Moreno won the Oscar for back in the 60s. And what is that corollary in uh, Romeo and Juliet? For those of us who are uncultured. I think it's kind of an original. She is 
basically Tybalt's girlfriend. Okay, gotcha. But as an important... Tybalt's girlfriend, but she also plays the nurse role of, like, taking care of Juliet. Okay, cool. I'm gonna say Kirsten Dunst for Power of the Dog. I feel like mm-hmm. Power of the Dog is gonna be one that sweeps it for the acting section. Don't ask me why. I just have that feeling. Well, I would love to see Kirsten get one. She's been carrying movies for less talented people since, like, the Spider-Man movies. She's been doing it in Elizabethtown, like... Mm-hmm. Melancholia is the yeah. one that I thought that she had already won for. Right. Turns out she wasn't even nominated. Crazy. Insane. Midnight Special a couple of years ago. She was really good in that. Yeah, I feel like we don't we don't give her enough things. Give her more things, please. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got writing, adapted screenplay. Um, so for Coda, we have Sian Header. We have Drive My Car by Ryosuke Hamaguchi and Takamasa Ui. Dune by John Spates and Denny Villeneuve and Eric Roth. We have The Lost Daughter by Maggie Gyllenhaal. And The Power of the Dog by Jane Campion. Who I believe also is some other first. What is the other first that Jane Campion is? She the first time a woman has been... nominated for best director twice yes i believe that is true because she was nominated for the piano back in 1993 a movie that has come up on two different quizzes in recent cinema bums history yeah another new zealand legend along with current uh miniseries taika waititi mm-hmm. yeah i don't know kind of shocking not to see west side story because tony kushner's yeah like adaptation of that is so much what makes that movie new and exciting. Mm-hmm. I would be very torn between Drive My Car and Dune. I kind of doing opposite things. I think Drive My Car like takes a somewhat basic, very short story and creates so much incredible, complex emotions out of it. And mm-hmm. I think Dune like manages to distill the essence of something that is so huge and complex and technical Mm -hmm. and make it make sense to your everyday viewer i also agree that the dune adaptation is really impressive dune is not a book that is paced like other books it just isn't Mm -hmm. it is not paced like a star wars book would be paced and i think that movie does a good job of being paced kind of like a star wars movie would be paced Maybe a little slower, maybe a little less action-y, but it like does a good job of being a movie that a person could watch, which yeah. <laughs> Dune is not always like does not always feel that approachable. And I feel like the movie kind of is, especially given Denny's other work. Mm-hmm. You could see him really going all in and making a movie just for the fans of the book. He didn't do exclusively that. Yeah, And yet he did not piss people off by like cutting out major important elements too. So I think he, he mm-hmm. treaded that line very well. I doubt that it'll win though. I think I'm going to predict drive my car both for winner. And I think what I would give it to, although hard pressed between the two. I'm going to give it to the lost daughter, Maggie Gyllenhaal writing a screenplay. I don't know if she's done so before, if this is her first big one. Um, certainly the first one she's been nominated for. Mm-hmm. I love Maggie Gyllenhaal. I have since Donnie Darko. Always will. Mm-hmm. Just as here is hoping that she gets it for that. 
and that's definitely going on my list to watch before the winners get announced. Yeah, that's on Netflix. Now we've got writing original screenplay. We've got Belfast by Kenneth Branagh, Don't Look Up by Adam McKay, King Richard by Zach Balin, a Wilmington, North Carolina native. Ooh. Licorice Pizza by Paul Thomas Anderson and The Worst Person in the World by the film's director Joachim Trier and Eskil Voigt. Hmm. Any thoughts on what you think should win, what will win? I would give this to The Worst Person in the World. I think it's really well written and very original, Mm -hmm. the point of the category. (laughs) I think it will be given to Licorice Pizza, which has gotten nominated not for performances, weirdly, but like in a lot of the technical categories. Mm. I think this is the one it takes. It is a really good movie. It's just kind of like a shaggy script, but it's about Hollywood. So I definitely could see them rewarding that. I just want to take this moment to shout out another Paul Thomas Anderson movie, which is Phantom Thread. That is a really good movie, which probably got some attention at whatever Oscars years it was. But I don't really feel like people talk about it's an excellent, tense film in the same vein as like almost like a black swan Hmm. and is a really cool film with great performances from the three leads. That's that's all I want to say about it. I just thought of it while we were talking earlier and wanted to bring it up. This is the segue. I think that the Academy wants to be self-important and will give it to Don't Look Up which is probably the worst screenplay in this list. I watched like the first 20 minutes of it with my family and was like, I'll go do literally anything else. Like, I think there's some laundry to fold. Yeah, I haven't heard from anyone who likes this movie. And yet the Oscars love Adam McKay. So I don't know. It's nominated enough. It's got to win somewhere. Yeah. Uh, All right. Actor in a leading role. Here we go. Okay, actor in a leading Mm -hmm. role. Javier Bardem for Being the Ricardos. Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog. Andrew Garfield for Spider-Man No Way Home. Will Smith (laughs) for King Richard. And Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth. You're kind of joking here, but I do think... That were Garfield to win, and he would be my pick because that role in Tick, Tick, Boom is one of the best performances I saw last year. I think the fact that he had four big movies all come out back to back in basically the last three months of 2021, uh, Mainstream, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Tick, Tick, Boom, and Spider-Man No Way Home, the biggest movie and the movie where he was the thing that most people were talking about after. He really is. I mean, it's hard to overstate how much he is the best part of that movie. How much like everything that he does in that movie is the best part of that movie. But yeah, sorry, go on. I think Zendaya is so good in that movie too. But I think her stuff is a little less showy. It is. And it's also like they could have done a lot more with her too in it. Mm -hmm. And they did. And I feel like they knew what they were doing with the Andrew Garfield stuff and they didn't as much with her. The fact that Javier Bardem and Nicole Kidman are both nominated for being the Ricardos, a movie that is not nominated for Best Picture or Best Director or Writing, I think that the that is the Academy saying, we know this movie is bad, but they're famous people playing historical figures. We could not not nominate them. What is the movie? 
What is the movie The movie about? is about Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Oh. See, I thought this was a TV show that they were in. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's on Amazon Prime, and it's about a TV show. But the Oscars' concession to outraged viewers across the world is that they did not nominate it for Best Picture, but they had to nominate them for actor and actress. Wow. I would give this to Andrew Garfield. I think that it is going to go to Will Smith, who I have not seen the movie yet, but I want to. I think Will Smith should have an Oscar. He's one of my favorite actors. I think he's doing like a big press tour throughout this year. He wrote a book, you know, I think all of that stuff is playing into it. He's consistently great. Like in every movie he's ever been in, he's consistently so good. I think there's a possibility of the Chadwick Boseman thing happening again where everyone just assumes that Will Smith is going to win, but doesn't actually vote for them themselves, you know? Everyone says, oh, Oh, everyone uh I know is voting for Will Smith, so I don't have to. There's a possibility, but I do think that it's going to go to Smith. I would like to take a moment to talk about one of the few movies on this this whole list that I've seen, Tragedy of Macbeth, and Denzel Washington's performance in this film, which I think at moments is... Very, very good. I think the movie is very beautiful. I think it was like beautifully shot, but I don't think it was very well thought out as far as like what is going on with the characters. Like, I think a lot more emphasis was put on the visuals of it. And I think that a lot of choices were made by the director. And so I'm not blaming this on on Mr. Washington. There was a lot of choices that kind of like robbed the actors of having to do the hard thing that the play asks you to do specifically. Mm. I'm thinking of the dinner scene, which is like one of the most incredible sequences in the play where the ghost of Banquo reappears and torments Macbeth while he's at dinner with all of his subjects. And they play that scene in a separate room with him and the ghost while the dinner happens elsewhere, which robs the scene of the entire problem of the scene which is that you're having a meltdown in front of your guests. Mm. And that's like the, that's the biggest one. But I feel like there's multiple instances where like the direction was undercutting the acting. And I think this is true of both Denzel Washington's performance and Francis McDormand's performance. And I think frankly as well, that they are both too old to be playing either of those characters uh, that Macbeth is a story about a young couple dealing with the loss of a child, not, the story of an old couple who can't have children. There's no stakes in it that way. It's about whether or not the king on the throne will have children and like continue the line. Like that is a crucial, crucial part of what that whole thing is about. And so I think his delivery of lines is good in that it makes a lot of it relatable and makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I think it is a little mumble mouthed sometimes and i think there are other performances in that film particularly by ross by lady mcduff Mm -hmm. uh, by mcduff and by the witch to name four that i think are like really outstanding in that as well as i think that duncan is pretty good too i just like am underwhelmed by both francis mcdormand and denzel washington's performance in this film i honestly just don't think it was directed very well sometimes if direction isn't good it costs the actors just as much as the directors and you will notice joel Cohn, not up there for uh best director sure 
I think that's one of the few sensible choices they made this year. I'll say Benedict Cumberbatch for this one. I'm predicting mm. a kind of a sweep for Power of the Dog. The Cumberbatch is good, sort of playing against type, but that's like kind of part of what's going on. Um, also in Spider-Man, No Way Home. So interesting. Actress in a leading role. We have Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter. Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers. Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos. And Kristen Stewart for Spencer. The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn, Part 1, starring Oscar-nominated actress Kristen Stewart. That's incredible. Who I'm really glad to see here because she got snubbed a lot of other places. So (laughs) people did not necessarily think she was going to be there. But that's another one of the best performances I saw this year. I would give it to her. And I think it's going to be worst case scenario and it will go to Nicole Kidman. (laughs) probably going to be Bryce Dallas Howard playing Jessica Chastain <laughs> in the eyes of Tammy Faye. Okay. I can see it. They limited themselves to only three of the five being real historical figures. Okay. So in real life, I could see it being Olivia Coleman hmm. for the lost daughter because she is super popular from the crown from Broadchurch, And wasn't she also in the queen or no, the favorites. Yeah. She won for that. She won. Years ago. Yeah. We know that they like her, and I think she's a really, I think she's a really talented actress. I will say, okay, here's something: everybody's mom's favorite actor and actress were famously snubbed this season. Jamie Dornan and Karina, uh-huh. Karina Balf, yeah, who were the leads in Belfast, which mm-hmm. got a supporting actor nod. Yes, they were not nominated. There's going to be a lot of moms who are very pissed about this. <laughs> I think the answer to this, I haven't seen the movie, so maybe their performances aren't that great. Whatever. No, they're good. I think the real answer here is that the Oscars are a bunch of snobs and they know they're TV actors. You know, they know they've got like that. Their fame mm. comes from Outlander and that they're just like, no, we're not going to give it to them. And I think that's BS, frankly. Yeah, I was really shocked. I didn't necessarily expect them to have it locked in. They're both really good in the movie. Mm-hmm. They're both so hot. They are like the leads of the movie in a big way. And along with Jude Hill, who plays the young stand-in for Kenneth Branagh. Mm-hmm. But I was shocked that it was the grandparents who got the noms. The grandpa I could kind of see, but uh, Judy Dench, I think, is in four minutes of that movie. Like, she does almost nothing. So You know that if she wins, it's really for her dressing up like David Bowie in Kenneth Branagh's last film. (laughs) Oh, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, Some others. Alana Haim for Licorice Pizza. Sad Mm. to not see her here. We already talked about Lady Gaga. Rebecca Ferguson for Dune. Oh, yeah. What the hell is that? She, I mean, she is the best. That's where I would have gone for the movie. So, yeah. Really surprised not to see that. Tessa Thompson in Passing. Taylor Page, Zola, a bunch of ones left off for Nicole Kidman. By the way, Harriet Samson Harris actually does a good job playing Lucy in Licorice Pizza. Another (laughs) movie. She plays Lucille Ball in that? Yeah. Huh. In like one sort of like 10 minute escapade that's very fun. I love Nicole Kidman, but I do not think that's the that's the performance. 
I also like her, but I mean, if you're going to complain about getting to play Lucille Ball, like, <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. you can do with that. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Directing. The five nominees in this category are Belfast, Kenneth Branagh, Drive My Car, Ryusuke Hamaget- Hamaguchi, sorry, Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson, The Power of the Dog by Jane Campion, and West Side Story, Steven Spielberg making him the first director ever to mm-hmm. be nominated for Best Director in six different decades. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that awesome? Incredible. And uh, Kenneth Branagh is the first to be nominated for Best Director, whose last film was Artemis Fowl. <laughs> I want to celebrate that as well. Top of the morning. <laughs> Has there ever been more of a glow up in <laughs> Kenneth Branagh and Judy Dench going from Artemis Fowl to Belfast in one year? All I can say is... Remember the name. Remember the name. These are all worthy wins. Mm. I don't think the directing in Belfast is quite as strong as the others, but I understand the nod sort of in the fact that it's a very personal. I mean, it literally is him telling the story of his childhood. Mm -hmm. It's in black and white. I I totally get that. It's him sort of re-energized for the first time in a little bit. I think I would give it to... Steven Spielberg, who maybe feels like an old hat choice to some, but I think that is him being re-energized in a huge way for the first time in 20 years, 20 plus years. If the movie is good, my guess is that Spielberg is going to take it next year for The Fablemans, which is his movie about his childhood that he's making right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that this year it is going to go to Jane Campion who did an excellent job directing, has been around forever, has been a prestige director for decades and only got nominated once, has never won. I do believe that it is her year. I'm going to go with Kenneth Branagh for this. Mm. I think the Oscars love a comeback story, coming back strong off of Artemis Val. Like you said, a black and white movie winning for best director seems like something that would happen. <laughs> a movie about childhood seems like something that would happen for best director and now we have made it to best picture i want to say something favorable about the oscars here okay (laughs) so you know we've talked in the past about how in 2008 they failed to nominate dark knight Uh and wally there were riots in the streets because of that they said that there can be up to 10 nominees Mm -hmm. in the hopes that they would nominate some movies that general audiences actually watched and Uh that those general audiences in turn would watch the Oscars. That hasn't happened, (laughs) but they have done this like bizarre, complicated voting system Uh where like there can be up to 10 nominees, but only if they reach a certain threshold Uh So what this means is that, like, normally we get somewhere between five and seven each Uh year. Yeah. This year they said, we're just going to give it to the ten that get the most votes. Okay. There will be ten, and Uh whichever ten get the most votes, that's all we're going to do. Which, why weren't you doing that in the first place? But I think the fact that there is stuff like Dune and, and Nightmare Alley in this list is because of that. Interesting. Okay, the 10 Best Picture nominations. Belfast, Coda, 
Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. It's, I mean, it seems like a weird group of movies. My big question marks here are Nightmare Alley and Don't Look Up, and to a lesser extent, Dune. I'm glad that Dune was popular. I really liked Dune. I don't know why it would be a Best Picture nominee. It is half a movie. It is the setup half of an epic story. It would be like giving the Oscar to Fellowship of the Ring instead of to Return of the King. Nightmare Alley, I've heard, is just kind of mediocre. Don't Look Up, I've heard, is objectively annoying. The rest of these, they've got nominated in other places along here, so it doesn't surprise me. I would say it's probably going to be West Side Story or Power of the Dog for my prediction. Mm -hmm. I think West Side Story, because it is like a revitalization of a classic that I believe also won the best picture, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like both looking forward and looking backward in a big way. And especially if they don't give best director to Steven Spielberg to give best picture to the movie seems like something that would happen. It's like a movie kind of movie, you know, in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And then Power of the Dog, just because it has, it's the most nominated film. um, And that seems like a good bet. What do you think? I want to talk for a minute about Coda. Okay. This movie came out, I want to say almost a year ago. I feel like I watched this movie like last spring. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. CODA stands for Child of Deaf Adults. It's a movie about a teenage girl who is the only hearing member of her family. Her family are fishermen. So she kind of like works full time translating and helping them run their business while also sort of being in high school and doing all the high school things. The like deaf non-hearing stuff in this movie is really fascinating Really interesting look into that community. Sometimes very funny. I mean, the performances are good. That stuff I have like continued to think about after. But beyond that angle, this is like a lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it is the most paint by numbers, saccharine, crowd pleaser mm-hmm. is what you would say, maybe mm-hmm. in a positive light. But like this is a movie that you will feel one of two ways for. And I genuinely believe there's no in between other than like being interested in the unique angle on this. You will either roll your eyes the entire movie or you will be in tears the entire movie. Okay. And I sadly was the former, which I often am not. Sadly, I thought this movie was just straight up bad and really surprised to see it get so much love for like a movie that came out a long time ago that I feel like a lot of people weren't talking about. But you know, the screenplay nom, I can see it's, it's the tale of two angles. Like the interesting stuff you put into that story is worthy of recognition, but then the story is absolute boilerplate. You've seen a billion times. There's no new angle on it, Hmm. you know? And that dad performance is really good. He sort of has like the emotional role of the movie. But looking at this list, I'm interested in watching Nightmare Alley now. I know it's on HBO Max. Oh, okay. I like Del Toro. I like the rest of America completely missed this movie in theaters because it came out the same day as Spider-Man. And it was in theaters for seemingly one week. And I just heard people say like it's long and violent. 
and didn't check it out at the time. But watching it at home maybe is a little more palatable. I generally like Del Toro's stuff. I famously think that his Oscar winner, Shape of Water, is absolute hot garbage. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I honestly prefer Hellboy 2 over over that mess. You're part of the Golden Army. I'm a part of the Golden Army. Yeah. I like his weird stuff. I've heard that this movie has no supernatural element to it. Which is something that kind of like turns me off of it because I'm like, what is mm-hmm. what is a Del Toro movie without the supernatural? I'm sure it's still macabre and violent and other interesting things. And I do like a lot of the actors who are in it. So, you know, maybe worth worth checking out. But I've seen so many just like two and three star reviews of it that it kind of turned me off. Yeah, I wonder how much of it landing on this list had to do with a sort of 11th hour Hail Mary op-ed that Martin Scorsese wrote. Really? Where he was like, hey, no one has seen Nightmare Alley, but it's an incredible movie that I love, so please watch it. That's interesting. That happened right about the time that all the voting was open. So I would give this to West Side Story. That, just for me personally, along with The Green Knight, tied for the best movie I saw last year. It is, like you say, a movie movie. Like, it is such a big screen, colorful, bold, like, big emotions, huge set piece, doing a lot with the cinematography, doing a lot with the sound, you know? A bold swing that could either totally wipe out or really succeed. I think it's probably going to go to either... Belfast or The Power of the Dog. Mm-hmm. And I am going to say The Power of the Dog. Interesting. Being the most nominated normally either means you're going to sweep or you're going to get like best costumes and that's it. Both of those happen a lot. Uh-huh. So it could go either way, but Power of the Dog is fun. It's on Netflix. It's it's a western with Benedict Cumberbatch. It's 2 hours long. And you spend an hour and 50 minutes knowing that something terrible is going to happen. And with the sense of dread just rising and rising and rising and rising. And what you think that specific bad thing is going to be changes several times over the course of the movie. As well as who you think is going to cause it and who it's going to happen to. Mm -hmm. And then when it eventually does happen... It's very exciting and satisfying. So part of why I think that it may have appealed to voters, I think, is that it's it's a much more fun movie to think about after you know what's going on mm. than maybe it is to watch the first time. Interesting. I bet it's a really fun second watch when you know what's going on from all corners. To like track all of the different journeys that people are on through it? Totally similar to like rewatching one of the Scream movies when you know mm, mm-hmm. who the killer is and you're like watching what they're doing in each moment. For sure. Yeah, so I really enjoyed it. Wasn't my movie of the year, but really well directed, great performances. The most nominated, and I think that is where the Academy will go. That is my prediction. Well, I like to be right more than I like to be happy. So I'm going <laughs> to vote for West Side Story as the uh, winner this year. For okay. best picture. I do think that Dune 2 yeah. could win. And I definitely think that if he goes on to direct Dune Messiah as a standalone, as a single film, that could also win. Mm-hmm. 
I hope he does that. But then again, I hope that Denny doesn't get trapped in franchise hell. So he has signed on to do something else as well as Dune Part 2. It's like another adaptation of a novel. And I'm sorry, Mm. I don't have it in front of me. But it's like another space, not like fantasy. I think more like an astronaut sort of novel. But Hmm. around the time Dune Part 2 got announced, he also like got attached to direct something else. So I feel like he's doing that after Part 2. Okay. I was thinking about this earlier. Dune Part 2 is really like, I think it's going to be much more action-y and much less prestige-y than Dune Part 1. So it feels like this is much more the one that you would nominate. True. Because, no spoilers, those big actors that you love are not going to be in Part 2. Right. Part 1 is like political intrigue Mm -hmm. thriller for a lot of it. Part 2 is more sort of like grand fantasy warfare yeah so i mean i know that return of the king is the one that got nominated the most but i would say that is a little bit more of that has more like emotional emotional character stuff in it than i think dune part two will that is true i think that's i think that's fair i think dune two is going to have far more hype moments though than dune one. Oh yeah like it is going to be far more of a crowd pleaser than the first one and i think the first one was pretty good i cannot wait to sit in one of the theaters that is screening them one right after the other mm. when it comes out because i'm sure that'll that's gotta happen right yeah i am like stoked to go in and watch six hours of dune um <laughs> That is like exactly what I want. Uh, It might not be for everybody, but anything else before we wrap this up? Just to say that the Oscars themselves are going to be on Sunday, March 27th. So you've got a while to catch up on some movies. If any of these sound good to you at home, Uh almost two months, we're going to be back after that to cover the winners Mm. everyone listening send us your oscar predictions let us know what you think is going to win or what was snubbed what should have won send that to uh-huh. cinemabumspod at gmail.com and we might read some on air the next time we're on to talk about the winners and a reminder that wade and emmett will be back next week on tuesday to talk about taika waititi's thor ragnarok uh-huh. um so if you were pissed off by anything that uh, my illustrious comrade <laughs> Kurt Oscar or myself Oscar Meyer had to say this time around, please don't at Emmett, which you can't, or Wade, which you could, but please still don't, um, because of course we are totally separate people um, that have little to do with them except around Oscar season. Well, um, I don't know what they usually say, but have a no, great evening. I've never everyone. listened. To, I've never listened to an episode. I would never <laughs> listen to such soil in my life. <laughs> but um, have a wonderful evening and stay toasted. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Wade Lawrence Holloman and me, Emmett Temple. Wade also edits and mixes the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week. <laughs>